HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The Heritage End of Year Fund Drive is officially on. Become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This episode of The Grape Nation is brought to you by Jewel Sous Vide by Chef Steps. Jewel takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Gail Goosens from Champagne Veuve Clicquot. We'll talk to Gail about wine, women in wine, champagne, and we'll talk about Veuve Clicquot. We'll taste the Veuve Clicquot 200th anniversary rosé for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Gail Goosens was born in France, France, did I get that right, and grew up in the countryside of Champagne. She studied abroad, but was drawn back to her Champagne roots, eventually getting a postgraduate degree in biochemistry and a national diploma in enology. She spent five years at Champagne House Bollinger. Gail joined Vouv Clicquot in 2016 in development, innovation, and communication of enology, responsible for winemaking, communication, pressing, and vinification. Welcome to the show, Gail. Well, thank you for hosting me. Did I get that right, your title and yes, all of that? Yes, really right. It could be, I may have to give you an award at the end of the show. It could be the longest title that anybody has. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. All right, so I do this with all my guests, um, and I want you to do it. Quickly, but quickly in a good way. I want you to give us a background on your journey in life and wine and champagne that got you to where you are today, which is a few years at Vouv. So just take me on that trip quickly. Yeah, well, actually, it was not my first choice. You know, it's, I, I always say it's not something that you want to do, like be a winemaker when you're 12. Right. So 
Uh, after high school, I left France. I went to Australia. I studied a bit over there, but I studied international relations. And I got a job in France that I did not really like it. It was too much paper job, too much hours. In business? Not in business. It was more in international relations. Okay. So in administration, actually. So an office job. Yes, an okay. office job. And it's was just not for me. So I quit and I went back to school and I did that degree of five years. And then I discovered the world of wine and the winemaking process. During the five years of graduate work? Yes. Uh, yes. Well, I just realized that um, being a winemaker, you could be a scientific, but also an artist, you know, and I don't think I'm an entire and 100% scientific. So I like being someday 75% scientific or 25% artist and some other day I'm just 100% artistic. I like this balance in the world. Right. So your approach is a mixture of all yes. those things. Yes. Um, so when did the rubber hit the road? When did you start really working, you know, in wine and champagne at any level? What was the entry? Um, you know, I was born and I grew up in the Champagne region, so right. it was my surrounding, but I never realized that could be a real job to be in the wine industry. And the thing is, I, I think I have that uh, wine education at home. I had a wine just education. Just by being there. That Just by being there. Right. And I had also a grandmother. She was a grape grower. She spent a lot of time in the vineyard and I spent a lot of time with her. Uh, I've always done the harvest in Champagne. And, uh, As growing up? Yes. With yes. your grandmother? Yes. Or, yes. Oh, so it's so really it's in your blood. Yes, it was in my blood. But you and left one, it. Yes, I left it. I, I think it was in, two th in 2006, just before uh, quitting my job, I just realized that that it's actually my passion and it's actually my surrounding, but it's uh, it could also be my job, my real job. Right. And that's... That's where the link. Um, so you studied, like you said, for five years in ology yes. and well, all that. Yes. Well, actually, yes. You get out, and where did you go to work when you? When I left the school of analogy, yeah. well, I started with Bollinger. Okay. The house. So that, that was, was my first. Uh, and you spent a lot of years there, right? Five years. Right. Yes. And tell me the type of stuff you did there. I was working in the winery. I. Um, I was the um, the second in production, so I mean that I, I was uh, well. I worked uh, all my days in wineries, right. making wine, and uh, also in the laboratory or quality aspect. Uh, every everything you can do as a winemaker. All the, the blend, things that interested you. Uh, yes, the wine yes. making and the science. Yes. So after about five years, yes, that comes to an end, and you have an opportunity to go to yes. Vouv. Yes. And that was in 2016? Yes. So let's just talk about, I have this question somewhere, but we could talk about it now. Tell me about your title and your responsibilities. Today? You, yes. you are, a, are the a winemaker, but you do other things. Tell me quickly. Well, I'm responsible for the pressing center and a winery in the Côte des Blancs, in Vertu, where you find the Chardonnay. Right. 
And the rest of the year, I'm also responsible for development and innovation projects and also communication. So it means that I can work on a new cuvee or I can work on one of our process, checking if everything is fine or just improving the quality of something that we've always done. Or um, I do some communication as well. And communication is a big word, but actually right. what we do is to travel around and to meet people and especially especially the, the trade and the clients, right. just, just to train them about our wines and to tell, uh, to meet people because meeting people and knowing what they think about our wine is really important. And I that's think that's experience. important. Yes. And if you're close to the winemaking and you're close to the market, you get a very good sense. Um, just tell me one thing. You worked at a Chardonnay facility, so that indicates yes. Vouve has multiple locations where they're pressing yes, in about how many? We have actually six pressing Jeez. centers uh, spread over the region because in Champagne, you know, uh, you have to press as quickly as you can when you harvest your grape because we make a white wine from red grapes. And the thing <coughs> is, the quality comes from the grapes and you have to be really careful at that stage of the process. Right. And we have two wineries in the region and two in Reims. And I'm uh, in one of them. Outside Did you say Reims? Reims? Ah, yes, yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> If you could say it, I could say it. <laughs> you can say um, it. People forget, and you know, we're big champagne advocates on the show, that champagne is wine. And champagne the quality of the champagne is, you know, how it's farmed and the grapes and how it's made and all that. All right. So that's Gail. Now I want to talk about the namesake of the company, which is very cool. Madame Clicquot has quite the history. Yes. Entrepreneur, champagne maker. She certainly was a personality in her day. And a woman, which was kind of unusual. Um, you're embarking on your 200th anniversary of the rosé. Mm -hmm. Just give me a quick history of Vouv or talk about, you know, Madame Clicquot, who's really, you know, what the company is about. Well, Madame Clicquot uh, was this great woman. She took the business over in 1805 and she was only 27. So she became that businesswoman at the age of 27 in How did it come to her? Family? Husband? I mean, what? Uh, she, um, she became the... Well, she took the business over because her husband died, okay. actually. So, well, love means the widow in, a, right. in English. Well, in French, right. up to you. The so, widow Clicquot. Yes. Unfortunately, she lost her uh, husband. She took over the business. She was young she was a woman you know at that time in France you couldn't if you were a woman you could not uh, open a bank account by yourself and even get an ID card by yourself it was not possible so it was hard it was a hard she time. persevered though yes, she was quite she the personality well, I'm sure right? she was a tough woman right yes. but she also innovated stuff yes. in champagne tell me yes. some of the things that yes. she did early on some yeah, cool so stuff she, she, she was a businesswoman obviously right. but she was also a creative and a kind of artistic she dare a lot and she created three of the main innovations that we still have and still use Tell today me what they are. in Champagne. Well, first, the, the uh, rosé, we were talking about the 200th anniversary, where in 1618, uh, she created the rosé, uh, the first rosé by blending a white wine and, a, and a, a red wine in Champagne. Before that method, we used to put a dull berry mixture in our wine. Just to, for the color and flavor. Just for the color. So adding red wine instead of edelberries 
uh, you you improve the quality because you, with Adobe Berries, you had the color, but not the quality. It was not really So she's well. cre credited with rosé, how we know it today. Yes. All right, so that's one innovation. Yes, that's the latest, actually, in 1818. Okay. And in uh, 1816, she, uh, she invented the riddling process and the riddling table. Quickly tell everyone yes. what riddling is so, and why it's important. You know, in Champagne, we do a second fermentation in bottle. It's how right. we get the bubbles in our wines. And to get this fermentation, these bubbles, the fermentation, we add yeast and sugar in our bottle. So when you add yeast and sugar, you add sediments because you have sediments in the bottle. And before Madame Clicquot, people used to drink cloudy wine with the sediments. They could decant the wine, but they mainly drink the, the sediments with the wine. So uh, Madame Clicquot, she, one day she, she, she tried to dig a hole in a kitchen table and she put the bottle um, neck down while on she an tilt, angle neck yes, down. Uh, in the the table, and every day she tilt the bottle to the right and to the left, to the left, while uh, the neck of the bottle um, get neck down, and she could actually collect all the sediments in the into the neck of the bottle. And once you open the the bottle, you expose all the sediments. So that's improved a lot. Be a nice clear, yes, wine crystal with clear. no settlement, yes. sediment. So riddling rosé. Give me and the third one. First, Pretty impressive. Uh, yes, we have first vintage of champagne. Uh, before, you know, back to the time, people learned by blending uh, different harvests. They could improve the quality of the wine. They could improve the quantity of the wine as well. Because weather in Champagne, it's well, it's still a hot weather, cold weather. We now improve the the, the techniques, so we have more yield. But before, it was really hard. And one day in um, 1810. The harvest was really great, and she just decided to do something with just this single harvest and make the first vintage of champagne, From, called vintage of champagne. Right, yes. right. So that that's sort of a big deal because that's going on mm -hmm. now. Um, I want to get to that in a second, but before you know, she was truly one of the first women not in champagne, yes, but in wine. Um, tell me. Give me your assessment of where you think women in wine are today. Are they getting their proper due? Are they treated equally? Are they? It's getting better. So it's Things not are changing. So that answer means it's not there, but it's getting. It's better. not there, but we're working on it. <laughs> right. I mean, you're better. you're in the middle yes. of the storm, is, so that's know, why yes, I'm asking. Yes. You. There is no difference today. If you want to be a winemaker, you can be a winemaker as a woman. There's no difference. Right. But the thing. The thing we still see is the uh, really few women in the top management of company or with a lot of responsibilities. That's still hard, but I think it's the same so a bit everywhere. So. That's a good point, and mm -hmm. that's a specific answer. My curiosity is, are there enough women for those positions and the industry still feels more comfortable giving it to a male or there's not enough women? I mean... Um, I think there's there are enough women right, right. now. So they're still passing by yes. women that are qualified. Yeah. So we need to get better at that. Yes, yes. Do you see a difference in Europe and the United States or basically it's this generally? No, I can see a difference, uh, especially, well, especially because I travel a lot and you have a great quality here in the U.S. if you don't judge people by uh, who they are. So it's a little slower back home. Yes. So, okay. Yes. All right. So listen, as long as things are getting better and people like you lead the way, that's a mm -hmm. good thing. 
Um, as far as champagne, and you were talking about it a little, is it fair to say that in the last 5, 10, 15 years, the champagne industry has gone through a transformation as far as growing, grower champagne, new people? I mean, do, do you agree with that? I think uh, we are um, um, passing, I don't know how to say that, uh, experimenting a change, but more in terms of uh, practice in our vineyards. You know, more uh, attention to the yes, farming and the vineyards. To the vineyard. There was, l there was less of that further back. Yes, and we are changing our practice. You know, we've been sustainable at Vavkriko since 2014, but it took us more than 10 years to change. And if you go to Champagne, you know, uh, if you walk through the vineyard, you now see uh, grass into the vineyard, and it's something right. that did not exist before. We are right. uh, really focusing on our ecosystem. We are uh, improving our practice using less and less chemicals, less and less herbicide. And this is the big change, I think, in Champagne. So, like you said, Vouv embraced environmental engagement. Yes. And what you say, in 14, it really, you got to where you wanted to be or close to it? Uh, the, I think uh, we believe that it's the future of Champagne. Right. Being uh, more responsible, uh, more uh, eco uh, eco friendly. friendly, and this is the path we've uh, undertook uh, you, 15 years ago, and we continue. Like when that. you look around, there's small, medium, and large Champagne growers. Yes. Are a lot of people not practicing sustainability? They're just not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So there's still right. enough. There still are enough people that are not doing it. So no, the upside is yes. that could change. Yes. But that's the future of our region, so we have to... Is it that much harder for a bigger champagne house? It takes time. It takes time for everyone, I think. You know, when you change something in your vineyard, you change the ecosystem, so it takes time. You can you cannot decide in one day to change everything. You, you need to keep the balance, you need to keep this right. ecosystem, and you need to know that uh, if you change something in the vineyard, that will not change the style of your wine as well. So it's a lot of change, and we don't know everything today. So you have not achieved your ultimate no, ecological. It's an ongoing thing, and yes, there are more good things you can do. We will always work on that but and you, improve our, our you're practices. You're of that mindset and direction yes. and all of that. Yes. Um, what's your take on grower champagne? Is there more of it? Have you seen more of that in the last five, ten years than you've seen? Of course. Yes, of course. Uh, everyone is changing more or less quickly. Right. But I think if you don't do that, um, it will be difficult for you in a few years. So right. it's something that everyone understands. And, you know, we uh, with the new generation... Uh, especially with growers, we see new generation coming and they try new practices as well. And they are more, um, maybe more eco-friendly uh, eco as right. well. But not everyone do it, but we believe in that. So we want to do it and we want to uh, continue so to do that. And we encourage, we encourage right. as well our producers and our growers to that's walk in the same, same path. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Um, Let's talk about Vouv Clicquot a little. Let's talk about wine growing and wine making. Um, the winery, the Champagne House, has upwards of a thousand acres of, or 360, 70 hectares of your own property. Um, 
do you contract grapes beyond those? Yes. Yes. Because of the, you bottle. Yes, we have um, 400 hectares of vineyard, right. but we do not supply our own needs. So we obviously we need to buy uh, grapes to growers, and it's something that uh, we were talking about sustainability. And you would say, okay, you are sustainable, but what about what about the growers that right. supplies you? And we actually settled um, a few years ago. Um, we settled in uh, 2009 an entire department with five people, full-time technician and engineer, and they worked with the growers. It's only long-term contract, and they worked with the growers every day to make them become as well sustainable. So we help them. To agree yes. for the end yes. farmed product. Yes. Because is, it's difficult. We know it's yeah. difficult to become sustainable. You can. It's difficult. You need help. You cannot do that from uh, right. one day. Overnight. So, yes. And, and so ultimately, they're your grapes, so yeah. you want to get to where you yes. want to be. Yes. Otherwise, um, yeah. you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you plant Chardonnay, Pinot, Pinot, Meunier, anything mm-hmm. beyond that? No, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Meunier, and principally, yes. Would you say, is there a Vouve Clicquot house style? Is there... Uh, I don't want to say taste, but a style, style. You can, that you, you can attain talk about style. or achieve every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Some consistency in that. Yes, yes, yes. We are, we are Pinot Noir style. So we okay. like the Pinot Noir. It's all So DNA. Pinot Noir is a love yes. and a predominant yes. grape in yes. the champagne. It's what we like with Pinot Noir that gives you the structure of the wine, this full body wine, this gastronomic wines. We are gastronomic wine. We produce wine for gastronomy. And we like we like to drink and to taste champagne and to produce champagne with with a full body uh, full body uh, style. Right. Yes. And the the Pinot Noir and the Mugnier help with that, right? Yes, especially yeah. the Pinot Noir. So does that mean in the majority of the bottlings? And I know you have six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine different. A bunch of them are heavy Pinot Noir, yes. and because of this. Well, so yes. I, the question I asked you was how style. You answered it. You make this full-bodied, you know, Wine. the Pinot yes. Noir. Fair mm-hmm. to say that, right? Yes. Great. Um, so tell me, there are multiple bottlings, right? You make a the the non-vintage. Mm-hmm. Walk me through quickly. You know what's out there, and let's um, talk about each one. We have non-vintages. So we have the yellow label. You may all know. That's iconic. You see yes, that everywhere. That's, yes, that's iconic, as right. you say. And we have the non-vintage rosé as well. So we do. We use the same blend of the yellow label, but we add some red wine that okay. we produce in our house. And then we have two different vintages. One is called the vintage, and the other is called la grande dame, which is our premium cuvée. Right. And every la grande dame is a vintage champagne. Yes. But it's. Le Grand Dame, and then the yes. other is just called the vintage. vintage. Yes, right. So it's by the year. Um, do you have it? Do you have a demi sec? We have a demi sec. Tell well. people quickly what a demi sec is. Demi sec is a non vintage as well, but we uh, we add more sugar at the end of the process into the the, the bottle. You know, we d- we choose the amount of sugar we want to have in champagne. It's it's called the dosage. And dosage is a it's a bit higher with the demi sec, right? So it's, it's, it's a sweeter wine. It's a sweeter wine. Yes. Um, what do people drink demi sec with? Dessert, cheese. Um, yes, cheese is a good idea, and it's yeah. it, it's um, the end of a meal. Yes, 
Yeah. Cheese, hot Instead cheese, of a dessert and wine, dessert as well. You get you can get a sparkling mm. dessert wine. Um, we're talking to Gail Goosens. Gail is the uh, winemaker at Vouv Clicquot. Um, Gail, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask you a few more questions. Then I want to subject you to our wine list, the mm-hmm. special champagne edition. So you have to answer each question twice, one with a wine answer and one with a champagne answer. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about and crack the uh, 200th anniversary um, rosé from Vouv Clicquot. Um, you're listening to The Grape Nation. We'll be right back. For the past 10 years, Heritage Radio Network has brought listeners around the world the most important voices in food and drink. I'm Matt Patterson, the lead engineer here at HRN. Six years ago, when I was teaching myself to brew beer out in San Diego, I listened to Heritage Radio shows for tips, tricks, and inspiration. Heritage Radio's programming simply would not be possible without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and give HRN a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. Now is the best time to show your support for HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. The holidays are coming up and you can host the most delicious dinner and wine parties this season with Jewel. When you cook with Jewel, there's zero guesswork. So steak, chicken, seafood, eggs, and your holiday roasts come out exactly the way you like them. Now you have a little extra time to taste test your wine and food pairing course by course. And cooking with Jewel is hands-free, so you can focus on your guests, perfect your recipes, and making sure you have enough wine to serve with your great food, while Jewel does all the work. From perfect steak to tender flavor-packed holiday hams, roasts, and fish, Jewel makes the best food you've ever tasted. Just be sure to save room for dessert and a little more wine. Jewel, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. And use code H-R-N to get 15 off for a limited time. That's chefstep.com slash Jewel, code H-R-N for $15 off. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Gail Goosens. Gail is from uh, Vouv Clicquot. She is the winemaker, among many other things that she does. Um, Gail, tell me, I guess when harvest comes around, things get crazy. Um, Just give me a snapshot now when you get into action, you know, you're winemaking, you know, now you're out in the field, you're in the... Well, it starts a bit before the, the harvest. Of actually. course. We do, you know, we taste the grapes at Valfkeko. It's been that during the, well, f- two or three weeks before the harvest, we go to the vineyard um, twice a week and we taste the grapes to be able to know how's the grapes, are they, uh, what's the, what is the maturity at that time of the year. And so you're tasting until... Ah, this is it. Yes, and we can decide which plot, which uh, vineyard is uh, ready to be uh, harvested. Right, when to pick. Yes. So there's different pickings and all that. So it starts 
two, three weeks before the harvest. Right. And once the appellation open uh, the harvest, you know, in Champagne, there's a specific day where you can harvest the, the grapes. It's not you. You cannot decide really when you want to start. You can uh, you, you need to wait for the uh, for the for the region, the appellation to, to say, OK, now you can harvest uh, this uh, part of the region. Each village has its own So let me date. ask you a silly question. If you're mm. out there weeks before and you feel the grapes are ready and they tell you not to harvest well, that's yet. That's the difficult part. So you, you that happens to, sometimes. Yes. It There's happens a conf- sometimes. Okay. Yes. God, that's crazy. Mm. Um, all right. Now, what's the biggest concern when you're tasting grapes? Sugar levels? Ripeness? Ripeness. It's a sugar level and acidity. It's more about the balance of right. the fruits. Right. You know Shopping when the balance is, all is about right. Balance. Yes. It may need another week, yes. two weeks, or it's ready right then mm-hmm. and there. Um, then the grapes are picked. Grapes are picked, and it's a really stressful moment. You know, in Champagne, we have a, this cold climate. Not every day so easy, and an heavy rain can ruin your harvest. Can bring some rot, and so that's really difficult. You have to be quick. In You're Champagne. subject to nature. Yes, well, we quick work to with, get the grapes yes, off the vine. Yes, right. Yes, okay. we we harvest by hand really quickly, and we press quickly as well because the quality of the wine comes from the quality of the grapes, and you cannot wait too too long. So. We press as quickly as we can the grapes. We get the juice, the must, and then we do the fermentations, the first alcoholic fermentation on our must, and got the wines, the steel wines after right. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say you pick and you try to crush, I mean, we're talking same day, that night, next day, right? I mean, it's... No, that's the same day. It's, it is. The, it doesn't sit much longer. Yes. No, it's so, probably like two hours after harvesting. Is that a little stressful? Or it what? is stressful. It is stressful. <laughs> I, I would imagine. It is. Yes. So you're basically at the point where you're making wine. I mean, mm-hmm. you think champagne, but first, like you said, you're making a still wine. Yes. So the grapes are picked. They're vinted. Then you said they're in barrel uh, or we tanks? Use, or We use stainless steel vats mainly, okay. but we have also a park of uh, wood barrels. Okay. And... And how long are they left in the vats as a still wine? Well, depend if we have to use them or not. <laughs> right. We wait for the fermentation. Which we takes do, how long? Um, the fermentation will last 10 days. Alcoholic fermentation is quite quick. So okay. after 10 days, it's over. But we do also the malolactic fermentation, which lasts Explain a bit longer. Explain what malolactic fermentation Malolactic is. fermentation, it's actually not a real fermentation. It's more a transformation of the um, malic acid, which is a really um, strong acid. Like It's the acidity of the green apple, for right. example. So you transform the uh, malic acid into the lactic acid. So the lactic acid... Acid uh, is a bit. It's a bit more round and soft. So it's the acidity of right. the yogurt, for example. Right. Yeah. And that that gives it the style that you want. Yes. So that it lasts a few a couple of weeks. Um, so the fermentation takes about ten days or so. Um, is the wine moved out of the stainless steel, or it could sit there until? No, you're, we wait. You do wait. Yes. No, we wait for the end of the fermentations. We don't. We don't uh, move the wine before. Right. The, be, anyway, you so cannot. So fermentation cannot. and yes. holding, storing, keeping the wine yes. until you're ready. Yes. Um, stays yes. in one place. Then that. What happens? You go to your first fermentation after that. 
where we wait. Not and, fermentation. Well, yeah. Malolactic fermentation. Yeah. yeah it's, it's called a fermentation. So we wait until the end of the malolactic fermentation, and then we will start tasting with the onology team. So we are uh, actually uh, 11 winemakers at right. Vev, and we all gather do, during that period together uh, every day at the same hour at 11 o'clock during... Uh, really? Several months can't last three or four months. You know, we from a single harvest we collect between uh, six and seven hundred different wines. Wow! So it's a lot, and plus we taste also all the reserve wines between four and five hundred wines to so decide to decide what you yes. need to add to certain. It varies by vintage. Uh, it's more to decide what is this wine. Is it a wine that we will use for the non-vintage this year, or is it a wine that we can uh, put in reserve right. or use for to make a vintage? You so you must have reserves back to how far? The oldest reserve wine we still have is uh, 1988. Wow. Mm. So you'll figure out when and why you want to use that. Yes. All right. So now there comes a second fermentation? Yes. So we do what? So we taste every single wine so that you, we, we have. Go, we talked about the blending yes. process. And then we the blend. Taste. Right. We blend our wines and we will bottle our wine. And once we bottle our wine, we add the yeast and sugar to make the second alcoholic fermentation. And that's when the wine is in cellars, yes. neck down, riddling. Well, we lay our bottles. You do? Yes, we lay the bottle in cellars. And once we want to release the bottle, we will take the bottle and do the riddling process. But during all those years, because we wait three years before releasing a non-vintage, uh, between seven and ten for an, a vintage, and even more more than 10 minimum for a condom. During all those years, the bottles are laid on, the, on our cellars. So the, the non-vintage Vouve Clicquot is laying down for three years? Yes. Before? Um, yes. And then when you are ready to move the wine, you rack it? And how long is that process? Just to get the sediment out, the riddling? Uh, it's it's quick. It can it be one week. Riddling process so it's a lasts fast one process. week. Yes. Once the wine is on yes. an angle, the sediment yes. settles. You riddle yep. it a little. Yes. Um, then what? What's the final thing? Well, we do the riddling process. We disgorge a wine. Tell us what disgorge. What disgorgement? Once you've got the sediment collected in the neck of the bottle, you have to open the bottle, and when you open the bottle, you expulse all those sediments out of the bottle, and that what it literally it, blows out. Right? Yes, it's what we call the How disgorgement. How is the um, bottle sealed? Is it with a cork? Is it with a cap? While it's actually a cap for a non-vintage because we right. consider that under 10 years of aging, there's no difference between a cork and a cup. And cork can brings you a lot of default in your wine, like cork taste. Right. Um, go back for a second to the winemaking process when you're blending. You mentioned dosage, which is mm -hmm. the addition of sugar. Um, as you're tasting the wines and you're blending, you determine mm -hmm. what you're going to do sugar-wise. But don't certain wines have a set amount or close as far as dosage? Like you won't add much more to a particular champagne? Or it does it, it varies? It varies depending on the cuvee. Okay. You know, because we do the second alcoholic fermentation in bottle, every single wine we have has no sugar left at the end. Well, after the disgorgement, there is no sugar left in the in the champagne in the wine. So is if, that typical of yes, all champagnes yes, made? It, yes. The the 
Yes. Sugar's expended. It's yes, gone. because the yeast you add right. to make the second alcoholic fermentation, it's well consume all the sugar in your in your wine so you don't have any uh, any more sugar in your wine so if you want to find some if you want to to find some sugar at the end in the champagne it's only the sugar that you can add right. with the dosage so we choose how um what will be the dosage how uh, much uh, we can add um in in different in the different wine so the non vintage is uh, is a bit uh, you have a bit more sugar in it it's used to be 10 grams it's now uh, 9 grams of sugar per liter and uh for the vintage and the grand dame it's 8 grams of right. sugar a little drier yes it's I a guess. little drier um so moving forward again so now you've disgorged the wines, mm-hmm. you cork them. Yes. So we add dosage and then Dosa- we cork. That's when you yes. add dosage yes. after Just the disgorgement? Yes. Okay. And then the wine is sealed with a cork? Yes. And does, is it ready to go or now it... Uh, we wait, well, when I, uh, when I say three years, we actually wait two and a half years in cellar on lease. And then we wait six, month year, six months uh, more in the after bottle? this disgorgement. Because it's the time you need to balance the wine. You right. know, you add sugar, so you unbalance a bit the You get the some wine. bottle age. Yes. Right. Yes. And then... And then it's ready to be drunk. Ready to go. <laughs> There it is. In a uh, ten-minute or less uh, snapshot, Gail told you how champagne is made. All right, Gail, we're going to move on to our weekly wine list. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. Buzz through these. Don't be shy. I'm curious on your take on a bunch of things. So the first question we ask everybody, and remember, there's two answers. I'm interested in what you drink wine-wise, and I'm interested in champagne. So what are you drinking now? What are you trying, tasting, testing in the wine world? Is it seasonal, you know, or is something interesting you? I I am not a seasonal person in terms of drinking wine. You drink but the I'm same more, stuff. Not the same stuff. Depend on my mood, I guess. You know, it's like when you listen to music, depend on the day you and your mood. So you, what's your you mood ju- now and what are you drinking? Um, you know, I have these chains. My husband has a wine bar, so he can taste and try a lot of different wines. And I'm a big uh, red wine lover, and I like red wine. But sometimes I also drink white wines. So what reds are you liking now? Uh, my favorite is the Côte Rôti in okay. France, and I'm a big fan of Côte Rôti. And I, I like Syrah in general because I like the spices uh, that you find in the Syrah. And I like the Syrah because everywhere it grows, um, the taste of Syrah, you find the spices always in every in every every country you grow Syrahs. But depending on the terroir, you can have really different profile of Shiraz. And I think it's an interesting... Do you have a favorite? Chamay or someone else? I like the Chamay. That's pretty good, right? (laughs) But what else? Give me another one. Well, I'd I'd like one day to taste La Turque. Okay. And it's... uh, But I need to save a bit of money first. Yeah. (laughs) La Landon, La Turque, La Moline. Those are all terrific co-rodies. All right. What are you drinking champagne-wise? Are there things you're tasting for work or... 
I really like old vintages. I'm a big fan of old oh, champagne. Okay. I know that some people still think that the champagne cannot be uh, aged in your own cellar after disgorgement, I mean, but it's so wrong. Even You can really... Tell uh, people that yes. a good vintage year could be laid down for many years. Yes, well, for vintage, we have vintage and grand dame. If you take the vintage, you can wait 25, 30 years. Sure. It's okay. I mean, if yes. you go on Instagram, you see sommeliers yes. popping bottles yes. from the... 80s, 70s. Well, with this, with this uh, carbon dioxide that we have, the bubbles keeps you right. well, helps the wound, the champagne right. to age better. All right. So vintage champagne, mm-hmm. coat roti, good ones. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your favorite wine and food pairing, and your favorite wine and champagne, favorite champagne and food pairing. So, is there a wine and food pairing that you eat more? times than other things. I like to try uncommon food pairing. I like to All right, know, so to give me your my... last best one. Um, I like, you know, last time, and we do that at Vavkiko, we taste uh, old vintages, again, old okay. champagne vintages with different uh, maturation of cheese. Okay. And it's all, it, it's good to try um, and to, to try to st- not stop. You can do it, but change from uh, red wine to uh, champagne when you have some cheese and I'm French so I, I'm a big cheese lover so as well, is there <laughs> a particular cheese is it Comte or yes. is it well, what's what's really great with Comte it's you can find quite easily different age of Comte and you can uh, right you, you can you could taste play. the eight month yes. and you could taste yes. the three year. yes Yes, you can so play you match, with that right. and, and play with different age of champagne as well. So that works well with yes. wine and champagne. Yes. So we'll put that. And I like to um, I like the red meat on rosé champagne. You know, it's something that you probably not do. But I like uh, the other time I, I tried the Wagyu steak on uh, La Grande Dame Rosé. And it was really great. Red, you know, with rosé champagne, you have more tannins, you have more I structure, agree. you have more Pinot Noir style. So that goes really well with red meat and roast meat and roast, even roast chicken, roast lamb. It holds up yes. to that. Yes. There's the similar argument with still rosé wine, that it's just not a summer light wine. No, it's really I mean, wine. There are different levels <laughs> and all of that. Um all right, do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar? So let's say by home or in Paris. Is there a place that just does such a good job with, so answer it twice, with wine that when you go there, the service, the selection, the environment, and a place, same with champagne, vintages, um, cool stuff. So you mean here? Anywhere. Anywhere? You know, um, because you're global. Usually it's New Yorkers with New York answers. Give me a so great wine bar and a great champagne bar. Then home. Um, I don't know a lot about New York, so I can talk about uh, France. And uh, Paris, uh, what would it be? Paris, I like um, the Comtois. Okay. Uh, so it's a um, restaurant, and you have the Avant Comtois, which is a bar next to the restaurant, right. and it's from uh, Condebo. He is a famous chef in France, but he has a lot. It has a really great wine list. And so great food, great wine. Yes, they pay and it's open to the all wine. day long, so you can. Well, if I give you a, uh, an advice, don't get there during lunch or dinner, but be between. In between. Yes, because you get more chance to get a That table. works in a lot yes. of places. What about any place 
that does the same with champagne, has a great selection of champagne, goes out of their uh, way? Well, I think you have to go to champagne to drink a lot of champagne. And a good restaurant, uh, I would say Les Crières in Reims, okay. because it's a free, uh, two stars Michelin restaurant, so you always right. get uh, good food, qualitative food, and, and they have, have an amazing... with a good yes. list. I think they have every single champagne that you can find in, in, in champagne. Really? Yes, you can try everything. That's a, that's a good thing. Yes. Tough feet. What about, let's give your husband a plug. You said he has a wine bar. Yes. Where is that? It's in Reims. It's called okay. Le Clos. And it's, Say uh, that again? Le Clos. Okay. You know, a clos mean, uh, a, it mean a plot in Champagne where you have walls around. Oh, yeah, yeah like, like Clos Menzel. Right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's Le Clos. And you have a, a lot name. of, well, you, you have a, a, a really uh, big uh, Champagne list as well. And it's a patio outside. Nice. Did, so Sounds it's great. Nice. Yes. How long has he had? The, 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 uh, five years. Oh, so It's a good place for um, lifestyle. Nice. Lifestyle life. Yes. All right, um, two more questions. Do you have a favorite all-time wine? Would that be one of the coat rotis? <laughs> it could be one of probably. The yes. What about a champagne? Um, I would guess it's a vintage champagne. No, I would say it's a Caf Privé. Well, if I if I could drink Caf Privé every day, I would. You, I, I don't know if you know that wine. It's actually, you know, Vav, we have vintage. And sometimes when we know that this vintage has a really great potential, we just stop selling it and we keep it for more time in our cellar, like 20, 30 more years. As and a champagne or as, a still wine? No, as a champagne. As a champagne. And we, and we release this vintage as Caf Privé. Uh, 20 years later. So that's later. the rare of the rare yes. from Vouve. Yes, and there is a Cave Privé 89. This is gorgeous. You, you have all I would imagine spices notes, the mocha notes, the coffee notes. This is great. I'm guessing yeah. it's hard to find and it's expensive. Yes, well, it's rare. Yeah. But you can. I'm, I'm sure you can find uh, okay. the Cave Privé in the U.S. All right, last question. Um how do you get to the best value for champagne? Um, is it the non-vintage Vouv Clicquot? I mean, do you feel the biggest bang for the buck is a champagne like that? And good value? Yeah. Uh, I would bet on the vintage because you already have the vintage, so the 10 years of aging. You have those uh, complexity that comes from the aging in Champagne. It's uh, it's it's more complex. It's it's more developed. It's richer. But aren't aren't I paying twice as much for that? Uh, maybe, but compared it's to a top of uh, Tête de Cuvée, it's less expensive. So you're saying mm -hmm. to get a vintage Champagne, mm -hmm. get the vintage Champagne, mm -hmm. pay a little more. Yes. And yours has a good value because yes. of the quality. And, all. and you can keep it. So Yeah. All right, Gail, admirable job. Some great <laughs> recommendations. We post all our recommendations on social media. Yes. Um, so we'll put them on Facebook and Instagram. All right, we're going to wrap up the show soon. But before we do that, we're going to taste a little wine. I asked Gail to bring in some wine. And appropriately, she brought in a bottle of Vouve Clicquot 200th Anniversary Rosé. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to taste this for our weekly wine sip. This is a limited edition wine? Yes. Tell me how it's packaged. 
So uh, we changed the um, the top label, the um, what we call the colorette <laughs> in French, and we uh, it's a black label, and we put a hidden message inside the the label. So when you oh, unwrap, right. un- yes, when you unwrap the the foil, you can see and read the, the message, and it's actually um, a message from Madame Clicquot. Is everyone different, or it's the same message? It's different messages. Okay. I saw somewhere some funky packaging, like a birthday cake. Is that's yes. not? Is it? Are all of them packaged that way, or some? Uh, that's a special edition. That's the special edition. All right. So let's talk about the champagne as a champagne and a wine. What can you tell me? Let's let's lift a glass. Christy, so you don't have any. You have to take some. <laughs> all right. So let's start with. And we'll talk about what goes into it. Let's start with the color first. The color. It's an extraordinarily deep salmon, mm-hmm. beautiful color. Mm-hmm. Um, and why is it that color? Uh, it's something that we really want at Vauve. We are looking for that uh, rosy, so that salmon and deep salmon color. And it's actually difficult to make. We is that blend or skins or both? It's blend. It is blend. It's blend. So we add uh, we add twelve percent of red wine in our blend when okay. we produce when we make the blend. What of the kind grocery. of red wine? It's only Pinot Noir red okay. wine. Okay. Pinot Noir red wine, twelve percent into the blend of the brut. Right. And uh, so we always uh, focus on the color, but also the taste and the profile. And we we like this. We like to keep the style of the non-vintage. We like. Uh, the style of the yellow right. label, but we want those uh, nuts of fresh fruits, fresh fresh fruits. Those uh, uh, we keep the crispiness, but all those berries, the strawberries, the raspberries—that's right. what. We so let me want. ask you a silly question. Um, I'm a novice, but I'm not a novice. Champagne is blended with Chardonnay, Pinot mm-hmm. Noir, Pinot Meunier. So when you say you blend Pinot Noir in it, many other Champagnes blend Pinot Noir do not achieve this color. What? Why is it so dark again? Uh, I think it's also the way we make our red wines. Okay. We use a kind of a Burgundy method to make our red wine, and we we can have a deep red wine. So there's the a style to that wine yes. for blending. Yes. So it's uh, okay. Yes. All right. So the color is gorgeous. Let's get our noses in it. Gail, tell us what we're smelling here. Well, you're smelling a lot of red, fresh berries, like the strawberries, the red fruits. Yep. The red fruits. But also, as I said uh, just before, you have these citrus nuts that uh, you can find in the yellow label, and you find them again in the non vintage rosé. Right, you carry that over yes. to this. But also, these, you know, pastry nuts, the brioche. Right, um, the, the typical bready. Yes. It's not too bready, though. No. I mean, it's there, it's not overwhelming. All right, now. Let's talk mouthfeel. Um, the bubbles are very subtle. I'll tell you that it's not underbubbled. It's not overbubbled. You know, it's well in champagne in general. We have really small bubbles. Yeah, that's make the difference between champagne and other sparkling wines from yes. other regions, right? Mm-hmm. And these have beautiful small bubbles. All right, so mouthfeel. Tell me how you would describe it. Um, same because we use a lot of Pinot Noir. Um, in mouth, it's, you it's ha- got a full body. Yes, you have the full mouth body. Mouth coating. Yes, the structure, the texture. Yeah. 
And it's um, it's what we call that a gastronomic wine because you have your your mouth is full of um, as texture, structure. This you have this finus, you know this. Finus so that's your definition structure. of a gastronomic wine. Yes, that fullness, <laughs> that fu- that fineness, yes. that mouth filling. Well, thing it's all. complex, it's fine, but it's also rich and deep. And yes. All right, so now I need you to give me our palate descriptors, which I think would replicate some of the nose mm-hmm. descriptors. But you will find me. the berries, you will find the red fruits, yep. and maybe even more tart fruits in mouth than those little fresh berries you had in nose. There is a good tartness. Yes. What tart fruits would you describe? Strawberry. Stra- a, a tart strawberry. strawberry. Yes. Yeah, strawberry. So there's a sweet, stra- sweet strawberry and a tart yes. strawberry. But in there. still, or you ripe. have this freshness, this the, the citrus, the citrus nuts. That's very it much is so refreshing. Very much so. Um, you discussed it a little before, but let's remind people again. What's a good? What are some good foods to pair with this? So this isn't your typical champagne recommendation because mm-hmm. this is a rosé. You blend it with a red wine. It's got a fullness. So you said Wagyu mm. beef. Uh, uh, um, I could go for. Uh, I would go for a tuna tartare, for example. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's got a good crispness yes. for that. There's yes. a little fattiness in the tuna. Yes, I, I, There's exactly. citrus in the tuna mm-hmm. usually sometimes. Yes. And some duck as well. It would Let's hold be, up to the fattiness yes. of duck. Let's try something new. Right. Um, duck, and especially with uh, maybe a sweet and sauce sauce with the duck. Right. You know, like an orange or... Yes, a, yes. And all right, give me one yep. more. And spicy food? Spicy food a little Spicy food. Yes. Chinese food? Chinese food. It would Chinese be great food. with that. Yes. All right, so this champagne, is it available in the market now? Yes. And not to be exact, but the average retail is, what, $65, $75? Yes. Somewhere in that range? Yes. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful wine. You know, we always tell people not to drink champagne as a celebratory thing. It pairs well with oh, great thank you wines. For that. <laughs> You've named eight or nine different foods that people wouldn't expect. Yes. You know, we talk about champagne all the time. Our guests say it pairs with popcorn, mm-hmm. pizza, fried chicken, mm-hmm. fried foods. Dairy. The mm-hmm. old oyster, you know, yes. thing is perfect and all of that. But, you know, think of rosé as a richer wine and be adventurous in pairing it. Um so we like this wine a lot. You like this wine, Chrissy? Love this wine. All right. All right. So that's the 200th anniversary Vouve Clicquot Rosé. And it is, is it a limited edition? Will it eventually go away? Uh, it's a limited edition. Okay. We celebrated in 2018. So. And will it lay down for a few years? The rosé non vintage. Yeah. Well, you will find the rosé non vintage after that, but not the the the, um, the limited edition. Right. Drink it now. That's <laughs> yes. the best thing. Yeah. All right, Gail. We're going to wrap up the show. Um, if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. I will post Gail's wine list answers. Um, She's got some good recommendations. I'll post the uh, wine that we sipped and some information on it. 
Um, you can follow us on Instagram at sbenruby, and now you can follow hashtags. So follow hashtag the Grape Nation. Um, at Twitter, we're at Ben Ruby. Gail, where could we find you, and where can we find Vuv Clico on social media? Um, well, I have my, um, well, I'm not really... Instagram account? Yes, I have an Instagram account at Gail, uh, Gail Goosens. G-A-E-L-L-E. Yes. Any underscore dot or anything, or just... Uh, G-A-E-L-L-E. Right. And uh, my um, winemaker profile is Gail VCP, so it's okay. even easier. Okay. You can find me on that. And then Vuve Clico website. You oh, if you Google if, Vuve yes. Clico, oh, yes, it's a beautiful it. website. Yes, you can go a on lot the of history and all of that. Um, and I know Vuve Clico has Facebook and Instagram pages and all that stuff. So and if also you want some food pairing, um, food pairing ideas on yes. the website, really interesting. A lot and of information. And on Facebook as well. A lot mm -hmm. of uh, good information on that. Um, so that's where you can find uh, Vuv and Gail. Um, I want to thank my guest, Gail Goosens, well, from, yeah. from Vuv Clico, um, for coming and sitting with us. I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, and I want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you're listening to The Grape Nation. <coughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>